1: What is up, you guys? This is Bram from the future, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a couple of things. One, we weren't able to record a live pod this week. It's the off season. I'm on vacation. We're all up to various things, but we didn't want to leave you empty handed. So, in fact, we're going to repost one of, I think, the best episodes we've ever put together. Clever name, Raining Threes. This is the pod we put together after Steph set the record at Madison Square Garden. And it features takes from some of my favorite guests we've ever had here on just how damn good Steph is. The second thing I wanted to give you a heads up on is even though we are not here this week, we are working hard on an episode for next week. we got a bunch of great golden questions, a couple more over-unders, and a judgment theater I just can't wait to share. So I appreciate you. If you don't feel like listening to raining Threes again, you can hit stop right now. Either way, we will see you next week. Go Warriors. And thanks so much. You have no idea how much I love and value your support.
2: We're gonna bring you all to our huddle.
1: You are in Where's Huddle with me, Bram, with me, for usual, my boy and producer, Marcus.
3: What's up, donation?
1: And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Fun episode, gentlemen. So we have a ton of guests today and kind of a different format. We're going to invite Connor in a little bit later on to give us an off-the-court report from Madison Square Garden. He was at the site as history was made. We've got a golden question segment that's going to look back at some favorite Steph moments. And we've got a ton of people who've covered Steph in every portion of his career, dropping knowledge and behind-the-scenes stories. So I'm fired up for all of that. But before we do, I want to start off with just us, and I wanted to get into a glass half full. I also, even before we do the glass half full, I wanted to spend a little bit of time giving Marcus shit for his terrible camera. I mean, I can kind of see you, <laughs> but it looks like you're recording in the middle of like a sea storm or something. Like, I don't know what the graininess is. I'm not sure what the quality of that camera is. But I mean, are we not paying you enough, dude? Like, you, you got to step up your game here.
3: Well, A, you're definitely not paying me enough. <laughs> B, um, this is the fancy blur background. I didn't turn it on. It just kind of is on. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but we're just rolling with it. And um, yeah, in, where I work is there's a dark corner of, of the uh, condo that we're in. So um, I need a new light. Maybe if you pay me some more, I'll get a new light. A new light? And hopefully that'll... Shine it out.
1: newsflash, dude. It's a blur foreground, too. It's definitely not just your background. And if you had a light, I'm not sure it would make any difference. But we're not here to take shots at your terrible technology. We're here to celebrate Steph Curry. So the glass half full, generally speaking, it's more general, right? We we look back at Warriors basketball. We give something we like, something we don't from recent hoop. Today, let's limit that. Don't want to hear anything you don't like. We're talking about things we do, and we're going to be more specific. What I want you to tell me It's things you appreciate about Steph Curry. So after watching this guy for 13 years, watching him turn our team around, watching him set up history, what is it that resonates with you? I'm kind of surprising you boys with this question. So I will go first to give you a little bit of time to think. Uh, Let me put it this way. Outside of my daughter, boys, who's six years old, there is nobody in my life who has changed my life more thoroughly in the last four or five years. You know, and, and maybe stretch even back more than the last 10 years. I, I love the Warriors more than I should. Um, they occupy a far too important place in my life to have basically just be a television show. And the way I, I experience that is I welcome these guys into my house through my television three or four times a week, and I live and die with them every single time through those two to three hours. Before Steph Curry, that experience was a nightmare. You know it was a smorgasbord of disappointment and lack of optimism and all this nasty shit. after 2009 after 30 entered our lives he infused talent he infused skill he infused success but more than that man he infused inclusive joy you know so i i've had the pleasure of working on this episode before we hit record i got a sense of some of the stories We're going to hear, and I can tell you the thing that that came up over and over and over again, is how joyful Steph is and how he shares that joy with everyone else. So it's not just what he's done and what he's done is unbelievable. You know, he, he turned a team I associated with disappointment into a team that is now synonymous with dynastic wins, but he has also made me happy You know, frequently, weekly, sometimes daily, which is not some shit you say about entertainment characters in your life. You know, there's a lot of movie actors I like. There's a lot of TV shows I've enjoyed. Shit, there's a lot of athletes I've dedicated way too much time to following. But nobody, not one of them, has brought the kind of happiness that Steph Curry has brought in. You know, So, yes, dude, his his talent, what he does on the floor, I appreciate and love. But the entire experience is unbelievable. So glass half full? No, fuck that, dude. Glass 100% full. Pitcher 100% full. I am all on board with this guy, and I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great call-out. Um, definitely 100% full for me as well. Uh, I'm going to go two things. One, perseverance, and the second one is fun. So perseverance, he came into the league – and joined the warriors as a skinny kid with fragile ankles um who might have been a bust and through perseverance he continued to work and make his body stronger and he had that quote when he was saying this isn't good enough warriors fans i promise you we'll figure this out and a lot of players say that and a lot across a lot of different sports and he made good on that promise. So the fact that he was willing to put in the work that he did, I think what he said about breaking the record wasn't that all the shots that he made in games. It was the fact of all the shots he put up, you know, in practice and outside of the games that brought him to that point. So his willingness to work on his body to figure out, you know, like how many times in those early years were we. A rolled ankle away from a eight nine game losing streak we were always worried about it. he had those crazy high ankle braces um and it was just you know it was a thing you were always wondering like is is he gonna make it through a whole season so um definitely 100 percent full on his perseverance and willingness to follow through on a promise and do what it takes um to be the player that he is and then just fun along the same lines as you bram there's there's a point like we were playing basketball in high school together and um, I always had fun playing it. And then when I played it at the next level, it wasn't fun anymore. And that kind of ended my career quickly. And when you play pickup games or you're playing with your friends, um, it's fun, right? And that's why you do it. Um, a lot of the times in the NBA, you're watching teams like San Antonio was a dominant franchise for 20 years going to the playoffs every single year. And winning multiple, multiple championships. And they were very businesslike about it. Um, what's great about Steph is that he's, he makes playing so fun and so fun to watch that it brought back that joy as if I was actually playing with him. So even though I've never been on the court a minute with Steph, uh, the way he plays and how he has fun and bouncing around like they used to give Dwight Howard shit all the time like you laugh too much you're you're having too much fun out there why are you smiling take it more serious and Steph Curry does that he bounces around and does crazy dances and shimmies and it's all because it's coming from such a pure place that he just loves the game he's great at it and it's infectious that it not only spreads to teammates wanting to play with him and being so happy to help him break this record, but also to the fans. Like you just, you kind of feel like you're on the court with him. Like you just gave him that assist as well, because it's so fun just to be in a basketball scenario with
0: him.
3: Looking for another hoops podcast to add to your roster. Check out the knuckleheads NBA veterans, Quentin Richardson and Darius miles are lifelong friends and are bona fide truth tellers. Listen in as they invite special guests, high-profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories, from sports to culture. They're in their seventh season and making moves that are worth listening to. Check them out wherever you listen to your podcast
1: objectively it falls so like normally speaking you watch a basketball highlight that highlight ends after the ball goes through the hoop because that was the highlight right whatever the hell it is or it ends with the block you know whatever it is Steph's highlights 95 percent of the time continue on afterwards why because we like to watch him celebrate you know I mean just plain and simple we we love watching him do that shimmy we love watching him turn around before the ball goes through the hoop we love watching him jumping in people's arms We, we love the whole nine yards he's normalized that and that's not something that was normal beforehand.
4: How about you, Maxime? What sticks out? It's the word that Marcus just mentioned, infectiousness, that I kind of wanted to dwell on, right? Because all the things that you said are true. We all know that the way you said it uh, was perfectly celebratory. It's the way he like celebrates his teammates' success that creates a world like – I'm sorry if this is hyperbolic, but it creates a world that I want to live in, right? Because now you have kids emulating these like 30 footers because they all want to be the next Steph Curry. And that's great. And part of what makes them the next Steph Curry is that they celebrate their teammates, right? It, it creates an environment where everybody wants to play ball. Everybody wants to be a part of the game, whatever the game is, whether it be basketball or like in the business context, right? Where, where you're celebrating your teammates. And that's just so, so special. He is the, the perfect superstar because he's a great role model in every, in how he operates, whether it's playing basketball or, or not. That's absolutely right. Let's get fancy,
1: boys. Let's welcome in Connor, who was at Madison Square Garden, to watch the record be set. And let's get an off-the-court report on what that experience was like.
5: Mr. Letourneau, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Long time no talk. I miss you.
2: Uh, we miss you and i miss you so much that i'm going to be transparently honest with you so i'm doing well but i'm also hella bitter so the fact that you were at msg and got to watch this fucking history unfold made me so jealous i thought of you so many times as uh, as they showed the replays as like steph was crying in his mom's arms part of me was celebrating part of me was being like god damn it connor's getting to watch all of this live so i'm doing good but uh, I don't, I wish I was living my best life the way that you were a couple months why, ago. Why can't
5: you just be happy for your friends, man?
2: Hey, well, that's going to require years of therapy I haven't received yet, and, and if I knew the answer to that, you know, hopefully <laughs> I'd be able to improve myself. But it is what it is. Let's not focus on my fucked mental state. Tell me about it. Dude. Give me some details. How was it? You know, what, what was the experience like? Yeah, it was. It was
5: awesome. I mean, a uh, little bit of background. So uh, I split the road trip with uh, Ron Kroycheck and um Ron did Philly and Indy and then I was I was always going to do the final three games of the trip. Um we actually did have a little bit of a uh, you know we we kind of moved around the schedule a little bit. So as of like 2 weeks ago I was going to go to Indy and then come back and then we switched it around so he did Philly and Indy and then I was going to do the <laughs> final three games of the trip. And when we switched it around and we got closer uh to that road trip I was like "Bummer, man I'm not going to be able to cover you know i'm not going to be able to cover him breaking the record cuz he's probably going to get it in philly or indy if he doesn't get it in philly he's definitely going to get it in indy and then he does not <laughs> and uh i'm like wow i have you know i had a, had like a mini little vacation before that and i hadn't you know covered the past four warriors games and i'm like wow i'm just being dropped into <laughs> the biggest story in the nba like i i got back on the beat like a day before he broke the record and uh um, so I'm obviously very excited going out to New York, knowing that he's going to break the record. And uh, yeah, there was just so much excitement around it. Um, I think a lot of relief from the Warriors. Um, I thought uh, the way they handled it was was perfect. I thought I was really glad the NBA extended that time out. I um, mean, I turned to Anthony Slater next to me. I was like, how long was that? That was like... That was like over three minutes, right? Ended up finding out it was like three and a half minutes. I was like, that felt like an eternity, but but in a good way. I mean, they they gave him his flowers in the moment. Yeah. Um, allowed him to like give the game ball in the moment to his dad. I mean, it was uh it was perfect. And uh I give I give the NBA a lot of props for that, um, living up to the moment. And I thought that uh my personal favorite moment was the interaction between Steph and Draymond on the floor. I sure. thought I thought that was really genuine and uh candid and sincere and, and like that little part where Steph it has has his head on Draymond's uh chest. It just like that's something you would only do with someone who's like truly your best friend or has yeah. been through a lot with you. And um I just thought that was really cool and being there you know just adds to the many amazing experiences that I've gotten to have on this beat but honestly it was right up there like it was right up there with covering you know Clay's three-pointers record or you know the single game three-pointers record in Chicago or uh, or covering, you know, Clay's 60-point game against Indiana or even NBA Finals games. I mean, okay. it was... You're, it was you're just bad.
2: rubbing it in my face now.
5: You know? I mean, you know I'm already kind of
2: pissy, um, but I'll, I'll also bring you to the other side of my emotional coin. I was also excited that you were there, Matt. Um, I, I was really fired up to have an opportunity to talk to someone who I'm as close with uh, to figure out what went down there. But also, your skill set. You're great at noticing details. You're a phenomenal writer. Um, and so let me break this down a little bit when you first show up, because the writers get there pretty damn early. When you first go into MSG, is there already a buzz? Can you already feel it's a special day?
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were people there. What way before tip off, uh, there, there were a lot of staff jerseys in the crowd, full disclosure. My, I have a Southwest companion pass and sometimes my girlfriend will come on the road with me and, and she like, she wanted to go so badly that she paid her own money to go (laughs) and was there in the, in the crowd. And it was not a cheap ticket. Um, Props to Sharday. I love that. Yeah. She's not even like a huge basketball fan, but she just wanted to be a part of the moment. And I was like, you're here. You should just, you should just stomach the crazy price tag and do it. And she did. And I think she, uh, I think she thoroughly enjoyed it. And so knowing that she was there enjoying it and I was, you know, on press row, writing about it. It was a cool moment, you know?
2: I'm sure. Uh, When it, after it happens, so Steph celebrated, I mean, you just described it. There's three minutes of kind of uninterrupted joy, at least for Warriors. The crowd, because you're, you know, they're, I would imagine at least 60% Knicks fans, were they genuinely supporting him? I mean, did did it seem like they were also, I don't know, liking the, the celebration?
5: Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was a thing of like, oh man, I can't believe this happened against our Knicks. This sucks. It's more like, this is greatness. The yeah, schedule just yeah. so just so happened to work out where he was going to get it tonight. It's not really anything against the Knicks. Actually, Steph didn't even shoot that well overall in the game. Um, but, you know, he he's going to get two threes. That's just something that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I was happy to see it get taken care of relatively early in the game. Um, and that's- you could see he, he wanted to get it done early. And it was kind of... It's kind of interesting, too, that he got it over the outstretched arm of his former teammate, Alec Burks. Also, it came off an assist from Andrew Wiggins. Uh, like, you would have thought it would have come from um, Draymond, you know, right. but it came from Andrew Wiggins. I, I don't know. I thought it was just kind of cool. Um,
2: it, it exemplified the relationship he has with everyone because I, I read a quote about that play, and they said, nine times out of nine, you know, ten times out of ten, Wiggins takes a shot out of that. And then they had a quote from Wiggins saying, I think this is your article, but had a quote from Wiggins saying, yeah, that's normally a bucket, but I saw him inch open. We wanted to get it to him. Um, so yeah, you could I mean, the whole team wanted it to happen too. Did you party with Steph and KD till 5am? Um, and if so, can you give us as many details about that as possible?
5: <laughs> I did not, I did not, um, you know, with COVID and all, uh, no, you not that I party with the NBA yeah. players anyway, but uh <laughs> No, uh, wasn't. I love that
2: they probably did invite you, and you're like, Look, I'd like to, but you know, COVID
5: and everything, yeah, I got I'm gonna guys, have to go. Ahead and pass you know, this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's um, something my editors would want, you know, behind the scenes access the night he broke the record, you know, that's no, no, of course not. not something yeah. I would be interested in. So, yeah, you know, we
2: don't want those stories either, it's, uh, it's not important at all. And then finally, finish the picture, so afterwards, you get to talk to the team. Was it more relief? Was it joy? You know, like, how would you describe their emotions?
5: Um, It was both. Uh, I think it was more joy than relief. Um, I think it's just, I think there's a true awareness. It was, it was, I think with Steph, it's really easy to kind of not get jaded, but just kind of take for granted everything he does because he's so he's operating at such a high level consistently that it's just like you come to expect greatness all the time you come to expect 10 three-pointers a night you come to expect all these these crazy dribbling displays and things like that and I think the entire thing was just kind of an opportunity for everyone to slow down kind of take a step back and be like you know what it's pretty freaking cool that we get to play with Steph Curry and it's pretty freaking cool that I get to write about Steph Curry that you get to talk about Steph Curry and it's pretty freaking cool, and we should appreciate that, and and just reflect on that a little bit uh, every once in a while, rather than just get caught up in the day to day. Because the next thing we know, like you know, I don't think he's going to retire anytime soon, but that day is going to come, and you don't want to feel like you took it for granted. And I, right. I had a good conversation the other day with Brandon Payne, Steph's trainer, who. You know, he lives in Charlotte, and he followed the team around throughout their past few games. Went out to San Francisco, then Philly, then Indiana, then New York, because he wanted to make sure he was there, and he was there for the lead up of the record as well. Just, just to kind of appreciate it. And I think sure. everyone's going through that journey right now. Yeah, no, that's badass, man.
2: Well, I appreciate you. I was joking. I was at least, I don't know, 30%, 40% happy that you were there. It wasn't all just bitterness. Uh, but we missed you. We got to get you back on like, way more frequently.
5: I know. We really do. Yeah, it's got to happen. I'm, I'm covering the Warriors a lot more than I had been early in the season, so plenty to talk about. Excellent.
2: Well, enjoy the rest of the trip, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you when you get back.
5: All right. Thanks, man.
0: All
1: right, let's turn to our golden questions. So most of the time, these are questions that come from our fan base. You guys are nice enough to send them into us. If you'd like to participate, by the way, shoot us an email. Shoot it to huddle at uh, warriorshuddle.com. These are from fans, but they're all Steph-centric, and there's a personal one. We'll get to that one down the line. The other thing that makes these special is that it's not just us answering them. Right, So we're going to start off. We're going to drop some of our stories. But I also have had the opportunity to run these questions by a lot of the beat writers, a lot of the people who have covered Steph for the majority of their careers. So we'll get some of their knowledge as well. Here's our first quote. What is your favorite Steph Curry moment or memory that other people may share? So the way I interpreted this, you know, the when we're talking to the beat writers, they're going to have access to things that only they saw because they were in practices or behind the scenes. So this question isn't looking for, you know, secret knowledge. What it's looking for is what's your favorite memory or moment that happened in front of a camera or that other people would already be aware of. I'll go first and I got a random one for you. All right. So I'm taking this back to April of 2016. And here's what's random. You know, I, I shot this out on Twitter. I, I, I hopped up on the Warriors World Forum. I put this out in a lot of places and all the responses were, were predictable. And I bet you we might hear one of them from one of you boys. We, that shot an OKC, the first title, those kind of things. Big basketball moments. Mine's a little bit different. So. Happens in April of 2016. The Warriors have already won a championship and now they're on this huge tour where Steph is torching the league. I think he's averaging about 25 a game. And one of the things that starts happening is most of the time is Draymond, but it's not just him. While Steph is giving a post-game interview, Draymond, sometimes Clay, sometimes other guys come up and pour ice water on Steph's head. It always surprises him, it leads to like, you know, five second, oh, I can't believe it. Then they go back to the uniform. So my favorite memory. It's one of these times, Steph has had another unbelievable game. He's given an interview to somebody from TNT, and the camera catches Draymond walking behind him. And Steph, at least from what you can tell, doesn't see Draymond. He's given a fucking interview. He's looking into the camera. And the camera, again, catches Dre reaching over. He's at least five, six feet behind him, picks up a glass of ice water, and is, I would imagine, about to walk over to Steph and pour it on him. I have to say, imagine, because what happens is if he has the force, like he had some kind of ESP about what was going down, Steph, who had a towel on his left shoulder, grabs it with his left hand and without even turning his fucking head, whips the towel over his left shoulder and snipes the cup out of Draymond's hand. It was such an unbelievable throw. If if you want, you can literally go out there, Google Draymond uh, Steph towel throw. Draymond freaks out. He's like, what the hell happened? It's as if a sniper had taken the cup out of his hand because it happened so goddamn quickly. Boy, is Hawkeye couldn't have made that fucking throw. The 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 show of hand-eye coordination. To, to I mean, they, you know, what's a cup, Like uh, three or four inches? You know, he's throwing a towel without looking through people at a guy who happened to be moving. It it was an unbelievable sequence of events. It illustrates his, his superpower, his hand-eye coordination. Um, and it's just something that stuck out to me forever. If you gave me not even an amount of throws, if you gave me an amount of time, if you gave me... 20 years, just 20 years, and all I did for that 20 years was try to knock somebody's cup out of their hand with a over-the-top throw uh, and a tally, It just would never happen. I could never do it. So that's the one that sticks out for me. Before we turn to the beat writers,
4: what moments stick out for you boys? Well, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, keep it April, 2016, um, but something that might be a little bit more familiar to everybody, right? April, 2016, the 13th to be specific, is the game against Memphis at home where we um, got our 73rd win and broke that record for all-time wins in a season. So it's was very fortunate to be at that game. And, you know, I'm sure most people listening also remember that that's the game where Steph broke uh, 400 threes in a season. So the fact that those are happening back-to-back is phenomenal. But I went back and I rewatched the highlights of all of those threes. And my goodness, was it a special performance, right? We sort of see the way that the league has adapted to how Steph – shoots now and they're swarming him like crazy. They just leave him so little space. But at the time, you know, teams were giving him just a little bit more room to breathe. And that meant that he could still be just absolutely electric. Ten, He made 10 threes in that game. Six of them came in the first quarter. And I think the thing that was so special about that, right, is the electricity, it happens whether he's um, on a catch and shoot Right, so we had, we had assists from Draymond, we had assists from Andre, we had assists from Sean Livingston, we even had assists from Bogut, right? Just like the full poo-poo platter of of just like perfect strength and number situations, and then the like off the dribble stuff is just as special too, right? And so he's just such a threat that you can't take your eyes off him, and you see defenders trying to figure out how to do it, but it's just like it's electric. He had a behind the back one; it just felt inevitable every single time, and that's how it felt in the arena, right? And watching him over the past few games coming up to like maybe he can hit 16 in a game like that's the seed of that right is like sitting there in that arena knowing that he's going to break 400 even though there's eight threes between him and that record is just a banana situation to just like feel the inevitability that every time it goes up the whole crowd is cheering and you still see that now but it never felt as special as it did for me in that moment in that arena.
1: Oh, that's a great call. I remember that game, um, and I remember its significance. MT, what do you got?
3: I'm going to go a little more recent and a little more obscure, but I think people, a lot of people have seen it. Um, it was a recent pregame warm-ups. Um, he's known for doing this weird, like, almost long j- jump-esque two steps to the rim, and then he throws up a really high um, finger roll layup and uh he did it and it was like you know almost hit the chase screen uh, the equivalent of the the megatron jumbotron in the middle and then it bounces and then he's running off screen and damian lee and whoever else is under the basket sees it and it off the bounce goes in and everybody goes crazy and what why it sticks out to me and why i loved it is because literally for the next 60 seconds Steph is running around like a third grader, pointing to different teammates and saying it's your turn to run up and we're both going to jump up, you know, and like bump into each other in the air, do body bumps in the air, and he does it to everybody. He points at Damian Lee and does it. He points at Otto Porter and does it. He points all the way across at Looney and runs across the key and does it to him. He's going back and forth and just pointing at people and running like, did you see how cool that shot was? And it was something like he made the shot, but it was something, again, that was just an example of him, him how fun it is to play with him, how cool it is to be a teammate. And it's like he just makes going to work fun. So um, that will always stand out to me as a a symbol of, of who he is and the fact that not a lot of players – um, are like that, right? So when when LeBron and everybody else is continues to call him a, a once-in-a-generation type of player, it's not just because of his shooting ability. Uh, it's because of the way that he's able to create a culture and have it sustained as well uh, that makes you want to be his teammate. And, you know, you have people all the way. We gave a- Avery Bradley a hard time about it, saying it's the best organization. A big reason for that is because of Steph. And the reason why Wiggins... Loves playing here. And, you know, they said he's never passed out of that situation in his life, in his career with the Warriors. And what does he do? He passes it out to Steph to break the record. So I think all of that feeds into the fact that that's just how fun it is. So who knows what goes on at practice and all of the things that happen that we don't get to hear about. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about those, but. You know, that was one that was shared on social media and I think symbolic of probably what it's been like um, since Curry was drafted.
1: There's an unexpected answer to that story. Fuck you, Marcus. <laughs> so, And here's why it's probably, well, I mean, unexpected because who the hell would answer a good story with a fuck you? But the, the reason I'm throwing it out there is I really felt important and different to give you a story that happened like after a game. or like <laughs> It felt like I was being out of the box. You use the word obscure. I prefer out of the box. But either way, <laughs> you kind of stole my thunder a little bit. So I don't like that at all. So I'm going to go ahead and say for the third time, fuck yourself, Marcus. <laughs> with that in mind, let's turn to the friends of the huddle. All right. So we got a lot of people here who had some great stories. Let's start with one from Rusty Simmons. The world pays attention to Steph Curry now. Everybody. You know, uh, Nancy Pelosi literally congratulated him during a political speech today. It's, it's Steph Curry um, stories is sports currency now. But you've watched this dude from the beginning, man. You've watched him, you know, every dribble, every shot throughout this incredible journey. We've all seen how he's changed on the floor. You know, I mean, I remember him being skinny. I remember him being a little timid. Now we see him taking over Madison Square Garden. What changes have you noticed off the floor? You know, is, is this guy the same person who came in following the We Believe season? Has that shifted with his success? How would you describe that?
6: Uh, He cusses a little more now than he used to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think one of the things that makes him special is that he hasn't changed all that much. Um, He still is who he is. Uh, We hear the cliche all the time, like, you never want to meet your heroes because they're going to disappoint you. Um, Steph Curry is not going to disappoint people. Uh, I said a long time ago, like, in our business we essentially get to see who the player is based on how they want to present themselves in the media. You're just far enough away that they can present themselves any way they want to. And um, during the time of covering him, I've gotten to know him a little bit more. He actually is who he says he is. And I think um, of course there are changes. He's, I think he's more in the moment now than he ever has been. Um, I think family, family is always important to him, but I think he's, found this balance of being a voracious, competitive cuss and also taking care of family. Um, so I've seen slight changes there. But the the best thing I can say is that he hasn't changed a whole lot. And um, that speaks to who he is and who he's always been. Marcus Thompson and I always joke about this, that when you see those, when we see those interactions, Stephen Curry still introduces himself as, hi, I'm Stephen Curry. He's one of the most recognizable people in the world, (laughs) like literally. And every time he goes into a conversation, he introduces himself, and we think that's remarkable. It's like you don't, dude, you don't have to do that. They, they, they're here for you. They know who you are. Um, I was covering a random story recently, just before a game, um, about a crossing guard who gave his life to save some children. And the story was supposed to be about Zaza Pachulia, whose children went to the same school and Zaza has been very helpful in trying to get that family back together and trying to figure out how to go forward. He invited them to the game. Steph comes over midway through this and I'm thinking, okay, it's just because he's Steph Curry and of course they're going to go crazy. Well, what I didn't know at that point is Steph had called them months before Zaza had ever got involved, just just out of the blue, out of his heart, saying Hey, anything I can do, I just want you to know I love you and and take care of you any way I can. that's who he is.
1: Here is Bonte weighing
7: in. Gosh, man, there's there's so many, right? I mean, there's just so many moments, man, that you could pick from. You know, the on that moment in Portland. Think about how that got the fan base jacked up about a playoff run in 2016. Um, Think about him throwing up the sevens. In game six at OKC saying, we're going back home in game, you know, we're going back home or game five of that series where he's like, we ain't going home. We ain't going home. And it was like, hell yeah, we ain't going home. We'll have to do this thing. I, I think, I think I got to go with that OKC regular season game because that felt like he was at the height of his powers, that moment of when he hit that shot. Remember, he got hurt in the third quarter with the yep. ankle injury yeah, and to get Mike Breen to say, bang, bang. Oh, what a shot by Stephen Curry. And he's doing the Bernie and he's doing a sea walk and he's celebrating. I think that moment right there, when you think about the Steph Curry, you know, era, that moment in time. Now, with that said, now all these moments are probably, that's my number one moment, Bram. I'm going to stick with that one because now that I think about it, like you got the LeBron James when he's going in for the layup past LeBron in the NBA Finals the three to ice it over Kyrie Irving, like the exclamation point in game five of that series in 2017. So there's so many moments. Him in an MVP trophy at, at Oracle Arena against the Memphis Grizzlies. But I'm going to go with that regular season game, OKC, you know, in the midst of its unanimous MVP season, on the way to hitting 402 threes, on the way to helping the Warriors in 73 games. To me, that is the moment that I think a lot of people are going to point to first. And foremost, so that's my favorite moment right off the bat. But I mean, it's tough, right, Bram? I mean, think about how many moments this guy's had. How can you break this down into one? There's like 35 moments that we want to touch on.
1: 100% right. Let's hear one from Wes.
8: So my favorite Steph memory actually didn't come from me being a beat reporter around the team. It actually came, this was sort of my first exposure to who Steph Curry was. It was the Clippers series, right? Um, Under Mark Jackson. And I just remember, you know, I'm on the I was on the East Coast in Florida at that time still. Um and I remember just being up at like one o'clock in the morning watching this playoff game and just watching like, you know. Growing up on the East Coast, it's classic like East Coast bias, right? You don't watch these West Coast games. I heard, I knew Steph Curry from the Davidson stuff, and I knew that the Warriors had like a nice thing going and that they were kind of fun to watch and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, and they're in the playoffs, obviously. All right, let me tune into this. And the Clippers were still like the, the those those versions of the Clippers that were also kind of fun to watch. Uh, so I'm watching this this game late, and Steph just goes off. And I don't remember which game it was, but it was one of it was one of the several where he was just just draining threes, and it was just like this mind-blowing, just like a mind explosion emoji type of experience for me that everybody basically had who watched the NBA and was around the NBA or was in the NBA during that time, right? This is Steph Curry breaking the game. Like, this was it happening in real time. And for that was my, oh, this guy's breaking the game type of moment. And I just remember sitting um, on on the couch just watching him just, just keep shooting threes in a way that I'm like, Is he allowed to do that? Like, I I know that you can do the three point thing, but that's like a thing you just sort of do to break up the two pointers, right? No, he's like, no, I'm just doing this all the time. And he just, and they just kept going in and the Clippers were just like, they looked like me on the couch. Like, they're like, what do we do with this? Like, how do we, do we guard all the way out there? Like, what, what do we do? They're looking at Doc Rivers. Of course, Doc Rivers has no idea what to do. Um, And so that was, that was my favorite thing. That was that moment where I'm like, oh, this is different. The game's not going to ever be the same after this dude. So that's my favorite. Like, if you like, when you ask me my favorite Steph Curry moment that people know, that's it. Um, as far as the games that I've covered him in, you know, I I, I covered the finals, the, the last couple of finals that he were he was in. They're amazing. You know, like whatever. I, I guess it just maybe it's just the shine of that starts to wear
6: off, and you just you get spoiled to all that stuff. But that 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 always stuck in my brain.
1: One from rusty seventh.
6: Yeah, uh, so many of them. Um, I I was backing up Janie Hu at the San Francisco Chronicle um, during the We Believe years, the 2017 or 2007 season and the year after where they had an even better record and didn't go to the playoffs. Um, And then I took over the beat in 2009. So essentially, I came into the league with Stephen Curry. Um, And over that time, there are so many moments that stand out to me. Uh, The one that I would use for this is a sequence of moments. It's it's when I felt like he had become a champion. And most people probably think that happened in Cleveland when they won the first championship in 40 years. Um, But to me, it happened in Memphis. Uh, They were down 2-1 to at Memphis. There was no light. It looked like another season where they would make a run and then fall short and that they were going to have to rebuild and come back. Um, Steph was stewing in his hotel room across the street from the FedEx Forum at the time, across the street from Beale Street. Uh, and Draymond Green and Fesses Ozeli convinced him to come out. They said, you, you can't do that. You got to come out here. You got to be out, get away from that for a second. Um, and they go to, I think it's called Blue Cities Diner or Cafe. Uh, they go out there and of course, there are gawkers. Everybody knows who these guys are at this point And they're taking pictures in the window. And, and all of a sudden, Steph just started having fun again. He was like, oh, wait, this is fun. Um, as you know, the Warriors reel off a bunch of wins. And, and in game six, uh, I guess the moment among these moments, uh, in game six, Andre Iguodala blocks Jeff Green's shot. The ball kind of finds its way to Steph Curry as happens. He fires one up from 62 feet, a three-quarter court shot. Um, and I looked at the Warriors bench and I knew that they were actually championship contenders. And before then, I had never thought that. Um, And I think they thought that too.
1: Let's get one from Mark Medina.
9: Yeah, well, my favorite Steph Curry moment after covering him as a Warriors beat writer with Bay Area News Group in the 2017-18 season, 2018-19 season, obviously the performances. But I think the very underrated part was just seeing how he stayed true to playing the way he did while having this very team-like environment, most notably with Kevin Durant and the fold. And so when I was covering the team, they had already won championships without Kevin Durant and with Kevin Durant. So they were going through the the winning when it feels like a business. I think that's the analogy that you've used. And he had a way of being able to still keep things fun, keep all his teammates engaged, and make sure that you know all-stars weren't fighting with each other. And that wasn't always easy, Um, but I think the most notable example is when Kevin Durant won his second finals MVP and talking to him, he was pretty sensitive to the fact that, hey, Steph Curry still hasn't won his finals MVP, but it made his day that Steph went up to the locker room and told him, hey, you earned it, don't worry about me, and there's no issues. So that's, uh, I think, memory number one. Memory number two is that following season in the – 2018 19 year, you know, there was a lot of stuff with the speculation with Kevin Durant's free agency and how to integrate Demarcus Cousins. And he was there on the forefront of trying to nip things in the bud, where, you know, he, you know, talked with Bruce Frazier, the Warriors assistant coach before the season started, specifically about how do we get Demarcus Cousins comfortable with us. Um, and then when the, when the Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, Spat happened, um, he was on the forefront of, you know, having individual conversations, collective conversations. And, you know, after talking with Draymond and Kevin and, you know, people on the Warriors staff, it seemed like he really towed the line well of, you know, respecting each man's space and knowing that this is something that Duran and, and Draymond have to figure out on their own. But sure. he also was a very good mediator without like choosing favorites so those are my uh, kind of favorite memories about covering stuff. I mean, the the performances speak for themselves. They all become a blur because they're so used to how many great moments he has. But I think the intangibles are, are some of the things that make him even more of a special player.
1: Last but not least, KP has covered this guy for as long as I know. Um, let's see if she's got a great story for us.
10: All right, this is going to be a very unpopular. Memory, but it makes me laugh every time I think about it because it's so uncharacteristic of Steph to do any of this. But it was game six when he fouled out and threw his mouthpiece at a fan <laughs> and got ejected. And like, it, this, just the sequence of it was so incredible. And they were on the road in Cleveland. And every time I think about that moment, I just like, I can't help but laugh because then he like goes over to the fan right away, apologize, but he like chucked that mouthpiece and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen live. I was like, did he just throw that at a fan? And then of course the slow-mo when they go back, I love, love everything about it. And the fact that it was his first time ever being injected from a game during the finals.
3: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.
1: Is a little bit more obscure, to quote you, Marcus, uh, and it's one hopefully it's to out, make... out of the yeah, box. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> In don't the
3: make box. me okay. don't make
1: me say fuck you again. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I'm, I'm already. If I have to, I'll go back to the. I can't see anything that you're doing because it looks like there's Vaseline all over the camera, <laughs> and I have no idea why you've done that. I don't know if it's like a special filter or something, but for oh, the,
3: dreaminess.
1: Yeah, no, it is not. It is not called dreaminess. <laughs> it's called I have no idea who I'm talking to. Filter is, is really what it, it breaks down to. Um, But this question is similar. But instead of looking for a memory that everybody else may share, it asks for a memory that these guys got or these girls got as a result of covering the team and being able to see things that happened off the court. As the listener phrased a quote, what's your favorite Steph Curry moment that people may not know about? So we got some great stuff from all of the friends of the huddle. We'll turn to them in a minute, but I actually have one here for you boys. Um, and I want to run a by So we go back. Um, there's a period of time where I was lucky enough to be able to go to practices. And that included when KD was in town. So sometime in 2016, 2017, I went to a practice. And during this time, there was no more, I don't know, in a place to be than warrior's practices, right? You weren't only planting your flag as a member of the most important franchise, but you were seeing them in a, you know, quote unquote, behind the scenes environment. So as a result of that, all types of celebrities, people from all walks of life would show up to this thing. Manny Pacquiao, Mike Trout, Malcolm Gladwell, James Franco. I mean, all of these random people would show up and all they wanted more than anything was a nod from Steffert KD. You know, they wouldn't go up and actually say something, but they'd position themselves close enough where you had to notice them. And, you know, chances are Steph or KD would go over and say, what's up? So I go to a practice and that's happening. I don't remember who was there. I think Guy Fieri is one of the people, but there were, there was a bunch of random ass celebrities and they were all congregating by the court that Steph and KD were having. It wasn't a shooting contest. They were going through their shooting round. They're all taking three points, but it wasn't just celebrities. There was also a team, I would imagine it was a high school team, of girls who were there. And unlike the celebrities, they were kind of off in the corner. They were nervous. You know, they were giggling. They had all the body posture of someone who's really excited to be in a place, but also felt really out of place at that location and wasn't sure what to do or what to say. And I noticed that, and I'm watching the whole thing, and Steph and Katie finishes their shoot around. And then Steph has an option. He has a throng of glowing, famous celebrities who are desperate to share a high five or do anything. Just have some interaction with the king of the three-point world at that moment. And he doesn't give him one fucking moment. Steph, without thinking at all, at least from my perspective, walks over to that girl's team, and he doesn't just interact with them. I can't hear what he's saying. I'm too far away, but I can see the facial expressions on each one of these girls' faces. And he stops in, there's 16, 17 with them. stops in on each one and has an interaction with every single one of them that made all of them feel individual, made all of them feel seen, made all of them feel important. And that it just, it, it stuck out to me. The superstars don't do that shit, man. You know, we had a six-part documentary where the one story really that came out about Jordan is that he made his teammates feel like shit in order to win. Well, in a world where celebrities and people of great supposed importance were desperate to be noticed, Steph's first move was to make people who weren't that important feel exactly that. And so, I mean, we're gonna hear this. You've already heard me say it. We're gonna hear it over and over again. The theme I've picked up is inclusive joy. And that one just screamed inclusive joy. And I absolutely loved it. But I'm not the only one to have stories about this guy behind the scenes. Let's turn it back over to the people who get paid to cover this guy and hear some stories from them.
10: So it had to be, gosh, what year was it? It was after he won his first title in Golden State. And um, he had signed that giant uh, Under Armour contract. Um, His wife, they had their oldest daughter and she was like eight months pregnant with their middle daughter, middle child. And he had his SC select camp. And so knowing this, like my, my nephew was seven years old. And so he came out to Oakland, um, you know, was in this really rundown back gym in, in Oakland. Like, I, I don't even know why we were there. I, I guess maybe it's like a historic place. I don't know, but very, very rundown. Um, who were some of the players that Michael Porter Jr. Was there Trey young was there, hmm. um, Dennis Smith Jr. So basically, it was like for high school kids. And I I told my nephew, I said, "Not a lot. None of your friends will ever get to do this. You have to make sure you thank Steph. He's one of the best players in the world. He's the best shooter in the world. You have to thank him for letting him come to your camp." And so, like my nephew walks it up to him, and like Steph says hi to me, takes the picture, signs some shoes or whatever, and all. And my my nephew can't say anything, and all he says is. Uh, my aunt told me to tell you that you're really good at basketball. And Steph just kind of looks at me, he's like, Really, KP? And I said, I mean, I did say that, but like, not really in those words. He's just like shaking his head. And but he was super nice to to AJ, my nephew. And then another thing I loved is Aisha was chucking threes and making them eight months pregnant. And like she beat Dell in a shooting contest oh. down, the same, down the same gym floor. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm like, who is this? super human person.
1: Take me back to that first story. So that happens, right? You're standing there. I imagine you feel a little bit awkward. Do you like, what happens next? Like, do you, do you try to hedge? You just walk away? Does he laugh it off? Because Steph seems like the kind of guy who would make you feel awkward for a couple of seconds, but then hedge it, you know, then, then like say something to to diffuse it or make everybody kind of feel better in the, in, in that exact moment.
10: No, that's totally exactly what happened. First he was, he just looked at me like, that's what you told your nephew to say to me. And I'm like, no, I wanted him to say, thank you. That that's all he heard from me. I don't know. And so he was just like, great to see you, buddy. You know, it was super nice to my nephew. And then he's like, I'll see you. I'll see you later KP or whatever. Cause I I, I go to his camp every year. So I see him probably once a year.
1: How does he interact with the stars of the future? I mean, the names you just dropped Trey young, Michael Porter, Jr. I mean, Trey Young specifically because he was, he was called the next Steph Curry. How does Steph interact with those guys? Is he generous with his skill set? Is he, I mean, is he bitter about their ascension? Like how how would you describe that?
10: No, you know what I love most about him um, was that he was getting in the drills with the players. He was going hard, you know, against these kids, kind yeah. of showing them like, okay, yeah, you guys are you guys are playing with Steph Curry, but I'm just gonna show you what it takes to be an NBA player, yeah, sure. you know? Yeah. And You know, there's this, there's this clip of Chet Holgrom that he kind of, he, he put the moves on Steph and that was like Chet Holgrom's introduction to the recruiting world was at the Steph Curry camp. Um, so he's very hands-on. He was one of the first, first, uh, professional athletes that invited some of the top women or the top girls players out to his camps, Yeah, like AZ Fed, Paige Beckers, um, you know, so he's very inclusive like that. And now he's also started this underrated tour where he goes to five different cities. Well, he doesn't. Uh, Under Armour goes to five different cities and there's they try to find underrated players just like he was, you know, coming out of Davidson. So yeah. he's very, very, very hands-on in the, you know, the players that are up next.
3: Looking for another Hoops podcast to add to your roster? Check out the Knuckleheads. NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and are bona fide truth tellers. Listen in as they invite special guests, high profile athletes, musicians and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories, from sports to culture. They're in their seventh season and making moves that are worth listening to. Check them out wherever you listen to your podcast. The other favorite story I have, which
9: I think is a window into both, you know, Steph, goofiness, but also Draymond Green on how, like, they have this amazing chemistry, is during my second year on the beat, um, they, you know, I think they became more observant uh, and more well aware of me, right? And so they pulled me to the side one time on the road after a shoot around. They took real serious issue with, like, what I was wearing. And look, these are million dollar athletes. They, you know, they have the endless budget, the, you know, the wardrobe fashion consultants, whatever. But Draymond uh, told me that, you know, I I've been having this pattern of, I I dress really sharp on game days, you know, where I got a suit, but the casual wear at shoot arounds, it it was just trash. And he's just ripping this dress shirt that I have. And I, I don't know what he has a problem with. He's, You know, saying it wasn't ironed the best. I, you know, (laughs) ironed it before I went out there. He was saying the color scheme was terrible. And then he asked me, hey, where did you get this shirt from? And Steph was wondering, too. And I said, well, I got it from Express. And they all laughed because Steph Curry used to have an endorsement with Express. (laughs) And he made it clear look, I had nothing to do with this shirt. I didn't approve of it, <laughs> whatever. This is past my time. So fast forward a little bit later, I wound up going uh, shoe shopping, had nothing to do with them you know, ripping me down to size, but I, I wanted to get some new kicks and we were on the road. I was near a mall uh, in Minneapolis. And so I got some new kicks. I wore these new Nike Air Maxes to shoot around and I made it a point to walk by draymond to see okay what's he gonna say and i i I shot him the look he looked down and he was so excited he's like oh man these shoes are fresh these are great and he was so excited about it that he shouted across the court to get steph curry's attention and at the time steph curry's shooting threes like he's doing much more important things than scrutinizing what i'm wearing and he's like, hey, Steph, check out Medina's new kicks. And mid three-point shot, he's in the middle of the air, hoisting a shot. He turns around and looks, and he just starts yelling. He's loving it. And by the way, the shot went in. Yeah, did he make it? Was,
0: <laughs> yeah, no yes,
9: of course, I, it's Steph Curry. I, have so but I just problems. love that. There's a window into like, they're on the same page. They love having fun. They like teasing people, including me. Uh, But there's also like a playful side to it. So I thought it was hilarious how mid three point shot. Steph is so interested in Draymond's news that I have these new shoes that like don't look like trash that he decided to turn, you know, his head, stare across the court to get a view of it while he's taking a three pointer.
1: (laughs) Be honest with me, Mark. I'll, I'll go first. If that happens to me. If they give me any shit about my shirt, anything at all, a hundred percent, it would bother me. And I would absolutely buy new shoes for the lone reason of kind of showing them, look, no, 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 you know, I've got some fits in my outfit. So when you bought the shoes, at least partially, was it to impress them?
9: Um, yes, I know. Look, I was near, a I was near a mall across the hotel and I had some rare free time on the road and I knew I needed to buy some new picks anyway, but I, I definitely made it a point to wear it a cheer round uh, just to kind of perpetuate the running joke. But unlike you, Bram, like I got thick skin when they pressed me down the side, I didn't get all defensive and, you know, insecure and all that. But I, I had a, uh, I think an in-depth discussion of like, you know, almost the equivalent of when a coach is chewing out on film. They're not defensive over the miscue. They're not, you know, refusing to own up to the responsibility. But, uh, you know, that player is in the right to know, okay, like, what did you have issue with? Like, let's take it frame by frame. So I had that in-depth discussion with Draymond and Steph. It was amusing. I think that that made the conversation more enjoyable um, because they knew I could take it, but they also knew, hey, I can – more insults here so it was nice to have like the depth of why they had issue with what i was wearing and why it didn't meet up to their standards and you know what like it's just like in the film sessions if if it makes you if it makes you better then by all means embrace it so i love that i embraced it uh but i did have i did make it a point that while it was certainly a coincidence their conversation uh, preceded me buying new kicks. Once I bought the new kicks, I want to make sure they saw
1: it. <laughs> of course, I, I love everything about that with one big giant glaring exception. I don't love that you said, look, Bram, I'm not like you. And then used the phrase defensive and insecure. Fuck yourself. Man. I mean, <laughs> look, you're right. Dude. I'm not going to tell you you're not right, but I will tell you to fuck yourself. Here's our last question. Has Steph Curry impacted the game of basketball more than any player before him?
9: Well, Brian, before I answer that question, I got to go back here. I actually don't mean those things. I just know that you love, you know, on your pod, you know, the, the shit talking, the, the playfulness, the give and take. So, Mark, you, it you, was you justified it up for me. You liked it up for me. I had to hit it, but I think you have much better qualities than that. I, I am pretty
1: <laughs> sure I just got defensive and insecure right then. So, you bro, you know, like it, it happened. Don't worry about it.
6: Well, this one is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is, um, I, it's selfish. Uh, it, it's because it related so much to me. Um, the team was in, they did the China tour with the Lakers. Um, it was 2012, 2000, I think 2013 they're in Beijing and Shanghai zipping all over the place. Um, when they go on those things, it's preseason. Uh, so the players not only have to get their bodies in order for a season, Um, They're being asked by the NBA to go do all these different things, all these public appearances, um, all these public service things. Uh, Also, Steph Curry on this was trying to release his shoe, so he had other. He was being drawn in so many different directions, but he agreed agreed before he went that he was going to call me in the middle of the night and do this journal for the Chronicle, and I would kind of walk him through questions of the day, and then in his words, tell the journal. Um, so this usually happened about three, four o'clock in the morning Pacific Coast time. And so I would set my alarm, wake up two thirty, three 3 o'clock, ready for the call. And he was already a star. I mean, he, he was already Stephen Curry. He, he's in China with Kobe Bryant, and there are as many Stephen Curry jerseys as there are Kobe Bryant jerseys. So he was already a superstar. Um, and if any time that he couldn't call at exactly the time he said he would, he would call and say, Hey, get another 30 minute power nap. I'm calling you back. And he would and he would call back and take the time to go through the entire day with me to to fulfill that journal that he promised. And um, that always meant a ton to me. I understood the situation and everything that he was being pulled on. And for him to do that for some scrub thousands and thousands of miles away, for him to call and say, hey, Get a little bit more rest, but I will call you. And he always did.
1: I'll put a cherry on top of that. As I've gotten older, one of the things that has has become way more important to me—the most important commodity that I have—is time. You know, yeah. I just just being able to spend that time. And the idea of Steph, someone who I would imagine's time is being taken by millions of right. people, going out of his way to make sure that the time he had promised to you—that promise was fulfilled. That's a stand-up guy, man. You know, what yeah. I mean, what that screams about his personality. Is really important is what it is.
8: This is not. It's a Steph thing in that I think it just reflects who Steph is because the question I used to get all the time and still get when I tell people that I used to cover the Warriors is: Is Steph really that nice, or what kind of guy is Steph? And all this like my answer always is: Yeah, like he's not super relatable. Like he, he's not going like, to hang out with you and talk about the the Giants game, but. He's extremely generous with his time, very thoughtful with his answers, super self-aware. And that's all you can ask for as a reporter. Right. Sure. And, it, and and so he's great to work with. Um, what stuck out to me was always the people around stuff talking about stuff, whether, you know, I was doing a phone interview with Brandon Payne, um, his longtime personal trainer uh, or just a, a, a teammate of his or somebody that he had used to play with or an old coach of his, like everybody just had nothing but great things to say about this guy. And as a reporter, you have a bullshit detector, right? You're like, okay. And they're like, yeah, you know, guys first in the gym, last one out. And you're like, okay, that's just a thing people say. That doesn't yeah. mean anything. Um, but the, just the lengths that people would go to compliment this guy and talk about this guy in just in such reverential terms and just, you know, the way they would speak about him. You're just, oh, you you love, you adore this guy and you idolize this guy. Um, I did an oral history. I did so many stories on stuff, obviously, but there was one. Um, it wasn't my favorite story, but it was one of my to write. But it was one of my favorite stories to report. It was like an oral history about Steph's first basket. This was, and this was in preparation for when he became the Warriors all-time leading scorer uh, last season. And so I talked with a bunch of people that were on the floor for the first for his first game. It was Warriors Rockets. And I think the, the first shot Steph made, he stole the ball and then laid it up or stole the ball and hit like a mid-range shot or something like that off the top of my head. And I just talked to a bunch of guys that were on the floor, Matt Barnes. Um, now I'm blanking on everybody else that was on the court there. Uh, oh, uh, Andres Biedrin, Biedrins, mm-hmm. um, uh a bunch of guys that were on the court. Um, and then some guys that were on, on Houston, by the way, too. Um, and just talking about them back then, like, hey, did you, what was this guy like then? Because we hear yeah. all the stuff now, like the shooting routine, like the stuff of legend is all the stuff that was kind of happened when he broke the game when I was sitting on the couch, right? Yeah, like it's, it's kind of, that's. That's not the origin story of this guy. We know Davidson. We know that stuff. All that stuff, like those first couple of years, I think in like the big picture, I don't know if Warriors fans, but big picture NBA fans, that kind of, that stuff gets lost. Like those first year, couple of years under Mark Jackson. Sure. And I wanted to know what he was like back then. And everybody was basically saying like, yeah, we didn't know he was this, but he was like, his shot was amazing. We thought he was going to be more of a passer kind of coming out like a Steve Nash kind of guy. Like that was the comp for him coming out of college um, a lot of times too for, so just hearing them talk about all the work that he was putting in back then, the sort of demeanor that he has, you know, it's kind of like a playing the results type of thing. Like, oh, he was quiet; he wasn't really a leader, but he kind of did his own thing, and he he wasn't really leading by example because he was a rookie. But all of that stuff, he's been he's the same now as he was back then, and because he's uh, you know an MVP and a champion and all this stuff, now it's leadership by example. But it really is like it, it's that it, it's it's that authenticity to who Steph is. He's He's one of a kind in a lot of ways, and that was just another one of those reasons.
7: Well, I got to say, man, you know, I'll, I'll make this about, I guess, I'll say a personal story about Steph, just a few of them here, and it'll be quick. You know, Steph Curry, you see these superstars like LeBron and Jordan, and a lot of these guys are untouchable, right? And it's like, man, you can't touch Steph Steph Curry on the floor. What is hes like on the floor and how people love to play with him? think people love him more off the more because of who he is, his humility. You know, you don't think of him as a, a son of an NBA player. You know, he's like, he, yeah, sure, we all know Dale Curry's his father and, you know, his, he was he had the benefit of going to NBA games all his childhood and going to practices, but he's used that to his advantage and he, and he like he's become a better person because, because of it. His trainer, Brandon Payne, yeah. so it's on the morning roast, like, he was already a pro before he was a pro. And so with that, comes with Knowing people and treating people with respect, whether it's the janitor at Orthorita to the writer for the chronicle or the examiner or the mercury News, or whatnot. He's coming into a uh, radio hit for 95.7 a game. And he just hey, What's up, Bonte? Oh my like, gosh, Steph Curry knows my name. And so this past media day, I walk in. I got to ask me. We're in the place where we're about supposed to be. But I walk over and so Curry just looks up, goes, Bonte, what's up, man? Harder's working, man, is show business. Oh. Huh? What? <laughs> like, and then, you know, I'm like, hey, Curry, man, my guy Shasky, my guy Shasky, man, and, man, you got to talk golf with him. He turns around, his entourage kind of parts ways like the Red Sea, and he comes over and talks to Shasky and I about golf for a nice little two, three minutes. Gats him up like you know him, chopped it up film, him, talked about different courses and his experience at the Ryder Cup, and stuff like that. I'm like, man, who does that? And when you get that from the superstar of your basketball team, you can see the trickle-down effect. You can see why other players on that team are so cool with the media and so cool with the fans. Because it starts with their leader It stems from their leader, Stephen Curry. So, you know, you hear about the stories in the community about media giving out food without any fanfare. You hear about him going to random playgrounds in Oakland playing hoops without security. I mean, that's who he is, Graham. And so those stories right there, just the little things like that, he's a lot to me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And he's a lot to us. And we're in this game. We're yep. in this business going to watch the Warriors. So those are just a couple moments for me personally. And one more real quick. Sam Amick, athletic, great writer for the athletic, great reporter. Curry's walking out of Oracle. All right, Sam. Turns around. All right, Bonte, man, have a good one. Like, you don't have to do that. That's the real deal. You don't have yep. to do that. So, you know, that just shows who he is, man. He's a He's a greater person than he is a basketball player. Hey,
1: that's crazy to say. It, the the theme that's emerged through this podcast, talking to all these people about their experiences with Steph, has been inclusion and joy. You know, more so. I mean, mm-hmm. Steph's athleticism, Steph's success puts him in the category of people like Jordan. But we watched a six part mm-hmm. fucking documentary that highlighted that Jordan made his teammates feel like assholes. You know, and Steph is the exact opposite. Not just his teammates. He is hes fucking, you know, he he makes everyone around him feel special. So when that happens, like if that's me and and Steph goes out of his way to somehow drop my name, I tried to play it cool, but internally I couldn't be smiling bigger. You know, like it would be, it'd be the kind of thing I'd go home and like tell my wife about immediately. How did you handle it? Do you play it cool? Are you used to it at this stage?
7: I played it cool, man. I played it cool, but (laughs) on the inside of like, Steph knows my name.
3: MT, you got one? Yeah, I actually have one too. I think it's a, it's a great story that is not only um, a shout out to Steph, but also to the Warrior fan base, especially the diehards coming from Oakland. So, um, back in, I think it was 2013, whatever year the Warriors were just on the precipice of being great and, um, played San Antonio in the playoffs. And, um, we're a Tony Parker. Um, buzzer beating shot away from going up 2-0 or 2-1 on them. We end up losing the series. It was a hard-fought hard series. Uh, but it was the the moment when a lot of people said, the Warriors are, gonna, are here. Like, this was the kind of loss they need. And next year, watch out for them. And it was true. Um, so after that series ends, uh, Steph and Aisha go to a restaurant in Oakland to go eat. Um, At the time, the Warriors were still in Oakland and the practice facility was in downtown Oakland. There was a restaurant that's no longer there called Pecan. And the owner was friends with a lot of the Warriors and would keep the restaurant open for them. So they had a good relationship. Um, And this is the story I heard from the owner when we were talking to him about it. So he said, uh, the Warriors lose that game. Um, It's a packed night. Uh, everybody's in the restaurant full and Steph and Aisha say they're on their way and they want to come in. So they have a table for them. So Steph and Aisha walk through the door and um, everybody in the restaurant knows it's them. Now, I think a lot of fan bases or a lot of bigger cities would have made a big deal about it, maybe interrupted the dinner, um, just done a lot of things differently. Uh, The owner of the restaurant at the time said, He was like, I've never been more proud of of my customers. He said, everybody in the restaurant stood up and gave him a standing round of applause and ovation as he went to his table. And then when he sat down, everybody else sat down and not one person asked him for an autograph. Um, I just thought that was such a cool moment. Like the respect that Steph Curry gets not only on the court, but from the fans too. Like, I think it's, he's always... Talked about his love for the Bay Area and for Oakland in particular. And knowing that they had gone through that, you know, painful loss and that the season was over. And here he is, this, this person that a lot of people idolize. And I'm sure a lot of people wanted to say thank you or, you know, good luck next season or, you know, we, we had a great run. Um, they didn't do that. They just showed their admiration. They all clapped for him sat down and said like, you're still one of us. And, you know, went on eating their dinner and let, let him be. So um, I know that was a moment that stood out to Steph. He talked about it to the owner and, and that was why he relayed that story. So um, it's not something, that I think a lot of people here might've talked about on the pod um, years ago, but I think it's just worth repeating because it, it symbolizes um, who Steph is. And I think who the true warrior fan base is as well.
1: I think it's really nice of your friend, the owner, not to mention, because I, I remember that night. And the reason I remember it is because I was on the outside with my face pressed up against my nose going, between, please. Yeah, I, mean, I said, and then nobody looked up. I didn't get a standing ovation, but I was a part of it. I mean, I, I was, I was a hundred percent hook, line and sinker.
3: Very oh. obscure moment there, but yes,
1: it was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> obscure like your camera. Fuck yourself. <laughs> Let's go. To our third question, boys, and it's this, quote, has Steph impacted the game of basketball more than any player before him? So, again, I know we're going to hear some takes from some people who cover the team, and I've already had the benefit of their knowledge. And I can tell you, I I hedge towards them, so I'm going to steal a little bit of their take. I think that he will I think that he is on his way and i think that his story is not yet written i'm not sure if it's there yet you know the most impactful but if i was going to argue that he he has changed it more than anybody else i'd argue it in this way the people before him jordan's the easiest example wilt is there they outlawed dunking for a while in the nc2a's because of how dominant both he and kareem were but the other people who changed the game did so with physical attributes that are almost impossible to replicate. You know, so like Jordan, Jordan ushered in the era of one on one basketball. And, you know, we still see a lot of elements of that today. And the change was humongous, but he did that because he had an athleticism that I currently think is still unfucking matched. We're not ever going to see that again. Same thing for Will just bigger stronger than everybody and by virtue of that he changed the game well Steph's changed the game but it wasn't with his physicality it's with his skill set and it's a skill set that everybody thinks they can't but they think they can replicate so that what that that immediately changes go into any local YMCA right now go to any court probably almost anywhere that basketball is played And if you watch that game for longer than five minutes, you know what you'll see? You'll see somebody take a 50-footer or a 35-footer. You'll see somebody take a three-pointer from a range that was previously thought before about 2012 to be a terrible shot, to be insane. You know what else you'll see? Give yourself about 10 minutes. You'll see somebody take one of those shots and turn around before the ball gets close to the hoop. You will, you know, and that's because of who Steph Curry is. And I think we're going to see that replicated over and over. I think it's going to get more and more. I don't think we're ever going back to a land that uh, you know, where, where the three isn't valued. And it's valued because of a single player. And as far as rule changers are concerned, and this one I'm stealing from Rusty, we haven't had one yet, but we might see one. We might see a four-point four, a four point play or a four-pointer um, at some point. I, I can see his impact going even further. So my answer is probably, not guaranteed, but it will be. Give him a little bit of time and he will be that guy.
4: Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. I think the one person um, that comes to mind for me that you didn't just mention is Magic. And look, I wasn't alive um, or was barely alive and cognizant when Magic was still in the NBA. But I think, you know, the one thing that he sort of brought Right. Is the concept, right? Not just the actual implementation of Showtime, but the concept of Showtime and sort of the, the huge smile, the, the bringing the game into the big bright lights. And, you know, I think that's the sort of thing that everybody feels like they can associate with because it's that charisma, right? And that's something that Steph comes close to, but it's not the same thing. He doesn't, he doesn't have the Bill Clinton effect necessarily of making you feel like you're the most special person in the world when, you know, I've never had a conversation with him, but it seems even over camera that that would be the case. And Magic totally does that. It comes across on screen. And so to bring the game from something that is watched by a small subset of fans to where it is now as a worldwide phenomenon, I think, I mean, obviously Michael Jordan has a huge role in making that happen, but I don't think that that is catalyzed without Magic's presence.
3: Nice. Yeah. I'm going to go two honorable mentions first. One, um, I think, Manu Ginobili's Eurostep, whether he invented it or not, or was the first one to bring it, I think that has had a material impact on the game. Um, not to the degree of this, but it's it's close. A lot of people use that move and it's it's pretty potent um when done right. Um and also honorable mention to the Fab Five from Michigan, not for the way that they play, but just because they were able to get everybody to stop wearing those short shorts, so I think that deserves Although, a strong we got, consideration. We
1: got Jordan Poole on line one, saying, "Oh,
3: shit. <laughs> exactly."
1: And Kaminga, Kaminga, give also me those has Stockton
3: specials. Yeah, that's
1: exactly right. <laughs> Kaminga spent his entire time in high school playing in tidy whities from what I can tell. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, minus those two, um, but I am going to say that he has done it. Uh, I I understand your your. Um, argument for it being in the future um i think he already has but i, I think what what he's done is the combination of why it, it is um him shooting from anywhere over the half court line he didn't really start that I, I think it could be argued that gilbert arenas probably started that a little before um you know former warrior as well but when he was with the wizards he was pulling up from crazy ranges that um and probably started that first um you know, and with a gun too,
1: right? Like he had a gun in his shorts while he was doing it, which makes it harder.
3: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, him and Crittenden would have a a logical, a a big case for that. But, um, and then, you know, in terms of just being the, the three point shooter and, and making the three that much more valuable, I think Ray Allen and, um, Reggie Miller probably, have a claim to that as well. I mean, they were specifically running pin down plays and creating plays for them to get shots. But where Steph is unique and where I think he has changed the game is that he's brought all of those together and then added the element that's Michael Jordan-esque of when he's on fire, when he goes human torch mode, there is no other player that is like that. He, He not only will be on his way to scoring 50 points and it being some of the most entertaining 50 that you'll watch. There's also the the gravitas around him that all other four Warriors players that are on the floor at that point are also just as likely to get a pass and they'll do a layup at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think that dual threat when Jordan got the ball and he was in his zone, you just knew he was going to back you down and hit a fade away you there was nothing you could do to stop it and you would just watch it go in when Steph is on a heater like that his equivalent is he's going to pull up from anywhere and he's probably going to make it but there's also that I'm gonna you know like stutter dribble through the screen split the screen it's showmanship then, yeah, yeah hit- and then there's everybody else open so I think he has changed the game there are people you know smaller kids who now um, feel like they can play and, and will play and are pulling up shots from all crazy places. But I think the what he has changed is that he's brought in the fact that you can have fun and play as a team um, a little bit more too. And I think that's what's changed
1: his his gravitational pull what he does without the ball the movement what he's done fitness wise all of that i agree with but i'll push back on the ray alley Reg, or ray allen reggie miller thing and i'll push back with ray allen's own take and this will actually perfectly transition into our next question but when asked about whether or not steph's the best shooter ray now has to say yes but he also adds this subjective bullshit hedge and then he points out that well, today today they take way more three-pointers well, the reason they take way more fucking three-pointers is because of Steph Curry. You know, the, the yes, Ray did have an amazing shot, as did Reggie. And when he hit it, it also counted as much as three. But at no point during their errors did everyone start thinking, you know what? Take 14 of these. Take 15 of these. Get 20 up. <laughs> and it's because of a unique, historic, in particular, skill set. You know, Steph, it wasn't on accident. He didn't happen to be here when the game turned to three-pointers the game turned to three-pointers because he happened to be there. You know, it's uh, this, there's no question about the chicken and the egg here. You know, he, he is the one who spawned that. All right. Let's hear from our super friends on this one.
9: Yeah. I think you have to say that um, because he's changed the way this current generation of players are playing and also future. And look, he didn't invent the three-point shot. Um, He just accelerated and revolutionized how frequent it is. And it's because he's really effing good at making those shots. And as a result, uh, you know, all these teams have had to change their philosophies, tap into, you know, seeing which players can take those kind of shots, which players can't. And then also for the players coming up, there are some really good players, you know, that we don't know. This is the youth level, but like really good players that are embracing this and modeling themselves after stuff some really bad players and think, Hey, just because Steph Curry shoots these shots, I can too, but you're not Steph Curry. But I think the underrated part about all this is that, you know, these are amazing highlight reels, but there's so much work that went into it. Yeah. Um, but we still haven't seen the full impact. The reason why I initially hedged to that question of, did he impact the game the most? It's hard for me not to think about, you know, what some of the pioneers did in terms of, You know, namely Bill Russell with, you know, the society part with, you know, providing more inclusion from a racial standpoint um, and, you know, sparking the conversation. I think when you're fast forward into the 80s, the role that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird played and, you know, making the NBA more mainstream to a mass audience. So I think those components, I would still give the edge to those players. But when you're talking specifically about, the impact in the way that basketball be, is being played. Uh, yeah, Steph, Kerr, Steph Curry is at the top of the list. And I think, look, his legacy is very well cemented, right? He's won three championships. He's got two regular season MVPs. Now he's number one on the MPA's all-time three-point list. But I think the scary thing is his career's not done yet. Uh, he's still in his prime, so there still might be more championships to be won. He's going to widen the gap even further between how many threes he made and Ray Allen made. Uh, but then the other thing is we don't, we won't know the full impact of Steph's legacy until the next generation of players come to be. Sure. Because I think that the record that Steph now set, I don't want to say it's never going to be broken because like at some point records are broken, but it's going to take a long effing time for that to happen. Yep. And if it does happen, It's someone who's like five years old right now who breaks it, or someone who hasn't even been born yet. Yep. Because they eventually see Steph Curry and all the record-breaking performances they had, including the most recent one against the Knicks, and that inspires them to try to do what Steph does, and also uh, appreciate that there was so much work that went into this. You're exactly right. So it's amazing that yeah. Look, his his legacy is intact, but there's even more to come that we won't know until the passage of time plays itself out.
7: It's hard to say. It, it's hard to... You think about Will Chamberlain, right? All right. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they took away the slam dunk because the sky was everybody. They outlawed the slam dunk, which helped, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar develop the sky hook. You think about Michael Jordan and the vertical spacing and the way he defended, you think about the re- revolution of the two and three guard position, the small forward the shooting guard position. So I see these 6'6", six, 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 wings. There's been nobody like Stephen Curry. He's changed the entire complexion of basketball, alright? This game used to be played side out. Big center, get it down low, hopefully they get double, creates an open three or open jumper, uh, you know, and, and that's how you got buckets. This guy, we go to an AAU game, you go to a high school game, you go to a CYO game, and you watch these kids in a layup line. They're not they're not going to hit layups in a layup line anymore. That's right. They're bombing from three. They're bombing. Um, look at the NBA and the evolution of the three point shot where Steph Curry comes into the league. our teams are maybe averaging 15 threes as a team a game. Warriors for a championship averaging 24 threes as a team. Also, this year, it's up to 34 and a half threes per game. And it's because of the byproduct of Steph Curry. Now, he's shooting threes because he's efficient. And he can hit those shots. There's a lot of bad teams out there that are bombing threes. It's like, yo, you ain't got no three point shot. Y'all need to go inside. You need to run an offense. Stop pulling up. But that's the Steph Curry effect. Everybody believes it could be Steph Curry now. Every team believes it could be three. So when you look at that, may the game forever forever. Now, look, Rick Patino and his Kentucky Wildcat teams, I'm going to give them credit because they were the first team I saw a my own two eyes in college door pro that was going up and believing in three-point shot, running a and gun and bombing threes. But Steph Curry's taking it to another level. Yep. Pulling up from logos, 30 feet, 35 feet, half court, bank shots, off the dribble, off the ball, relocation, and I saw somebody tweeting about this the other day, we haven't even got set shots, step yet.
0: It's true. But
7: you know, he's going to be open for that set shot. He's going to be able to move as well as he does. I haven't even got set shot step yet. I mean, this thing is going a long way. So, to answer your question, man. At this point, been, can you really say Michael Jordan changed the game like Stephen Curry? I don't think so. It's not, I'm not saying Steph is better than Jordan. I'm not saying Steph is better than LeBron. But stuff has changed the game and had a bigger impact on the game over the last 15 years than any individual I've seen. I mean, it's, it's when you really put it in context and you think about him coming out of Davidson and being the number seven overall pick sort of go to the Golden State Warriors. We never thought this guy would win two MVPs or lead the Warriors' discrepant franchise, this much more bun franchise, the championships. And he's done it his way by shooting three. But, and, and look, Yes, he's changed the game brand more than any other NBA player, but it's not just because of the three-point shot. It's because of who he is. And he's not just a three-point shooter. He's a complete basketball player. That's the crazy thing about it. Like, when you see that list of Ray Allen and Reggie Miller, they're all complete basketball players. They're not just three-point shooters. You want to talk about three-point specialists? Go talk Kyle Korver. Go talk Duncan Robinson. You know what I'm saying? Go talk, you know, Doug McDermott, Joe Harris. Steph Curry's not just a three-point specialist. He's a complete hooper who's changed the game more so than anybody in NBA history, man. And that's, that's just, think about that, man.
6: Isn't that crazy to say? Isn't that crazy to hear? I struggle with this because um, you walk into any gym these days, whether it's elementary school, middle school, high school, college. um, It doesn't even have to be a gym. Walk outside to your local blacktop. There are people firing shots from places where when we were growing up, they would have said that's a bad shot. Well, for us, any shot would have been a bad shot, right? Speak <laughs> <But, laughs> for yourself. Don't right? you worry about that. But, but these are definitely bad shots by the way that, that basketball used to be played. Um, now, I hesitate to say during his career that he's he's had the most drastic impact on the game because it's not over yet. Because immediately I think of Michael Jordan, who turned 60 in a, couple, a year and a half, and still sells three billion dollars worth of shoes. Like that's an impact. Um, I think about people who have had rules changed because of them. Will Chamberlain was so dominant in college that they outlawed the dunk. Right. Right. Um, now, before this is done, step may change rules. They may add a four point shot. They may. Cut the three-point line off at the break so that you can't have those short corner threes anymore. Um, he's definitely changed the way people look at it. He's changed the math of the game. He's changed the spacing of the game. It's remarkable. Um, but I think the story is still to be told. But does it? It in thirty years is he still selling three billion dollars worth of sneakers? Does he have that kind of impact? I, he would probably say yes. If I'm hearing you
1: right. You're saying not yet. Yeah, and not it, yet. It could, have, could but, have happened, might happen, but.
6: But to be in the conversation with Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain, um, people who changed the game on and off the court, Bill Russell, um, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, to be in the conversation with those kind of people, to his style, his flash, his flair, to be in the conversation with Magic and Marinovich and Allen Iverson, Shaq, uh, to be in that conversation while you're playing speaks to his greatness and to his impact. But but yeah, I, I'm saying it's not there yet.
1: It's also how he's done it, right? I mean, he, he yeah. come with like him, slight frame, where he came from, yep. Yep. Davidson, what he's used to achieve these heights. The Golden State Warriors, a franchise that was awful for so long in some ways. And, and this is me writing myself into the story, makes it more important because I feel like his success as a warrior um, is, is even more laudable.
6: It's a brilliant point. Uh, Andre Iguodala was asked a very similar question that that you started with, that you, Steph's impact on the game. Um, And that's obvious, right? But Andre heard it a different way and started talking about the way he acts on the court, the way that he is a showman, the way that he plays with joy. And for years, basketball wasn't that. You had to be the tough guy. You had to bow up all the time. When you made a big shot, you had to act like, oh yeah, that's normal. Steph has changed the way the game is played, how you react after it's played, and what you do off the court, right? So, and and you could answer the question any of the ways, which is probably defeating my argument. Like, I, I should probably just accept that he's the guy.
10: In the history of the game, I don't know if I can go that far. But in terms of what the modern day NBA game looks like, he is by far impacted that than any other player. I mean, you have I remember Bronny James was um, a freshman and, you know he throws up shots. He's like Steph, Steph. And so that's, I mean, that's impacting the next wave of players coming up. And just the fact that they said that and not, I mean, I don't even know what I would say, but I was, I grew up in the same Michael Jordan era as well. Um, And so for me, I think he's the greatest of all time, but you know, who is, who's next? I just love that. It was like LeBron's son and he's like yelling up Steph. Of course. Okay.
1: Was LeBron ever in the gym as that happened? Was, was there a moment where LeBron watched his son fire up a shot and then scream the word Steph?
10: I mean, I'm guessing so. He said it so freely. I am just like, he probably, he's probably in his like million dollar driveway, you know, chucking up shots, yelling Steph all the time.
1: All right, <laughs> Sorry, Christian, we've reached peak content. We, we could just stop now. <laughs> this leads to our last question. So the listener asks... Ray Allen has said and done all the right things. He hasn't been openly bitter. If you were in his place, would you be happy or bitter about Steph beating your record? Don't answer. We're going to turn this in to judgment theater. Let's guess. Boys, start with me. So if I am the current holder of the three-point record, they've invited me. I'm at Madison Square Garden. I'm sitting there dressed in my all gray weirdo turtleneck and they uh in in my heart of hearts am i happy that steph has pushed the game forward and we're watching new history unfold or am i bitter that my record is is falling around me
4: bitter of course i mean please i, I in your heart of hearts i mean i think you know, the difference between you and Ray Allen is that the tap dancing would be happening on, like, you'd be like playing 4D chess with the type of tap dancing that you'd be doing, right? You'd be tap dancing in every single possible angle to try to explain, while still being completely deferential to the fact that he broke the record, you know, why every dimension, it you, it just, you still deserve to be in the conversation.
3: Yeah. I think 1,000% you'd be bitter to your core, but you would be sweating like a madman as you gave all the platitudes to whoever broke it. Like, Oh yeah, it's amazing. Pushing the game forward, but it would be the most insincere. Uh, Congratulations. Probably we'd see on live television.
1: It'd be a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. So in public, right? Generally speaking, if asked questions about it, it would be all Dr. Jekyll. Let's say all the right things. Um, I'd hire a publicist to get like, all right, what are my bullet points? Say those, look right into the camera, deliver them, give the hug, do the three-way hug with Reggie. I'd do all of that. Absolutely. Inside it'd be all Mr. Hyde. Who knows what I would think, dude, but like some of the ugliest stuff to the point where like, when Steph raised to beat my record at MSG, I'd have to fight an urge to rush the court and try to block the shot. Right. You know, like like something super ugly. So, yeah, would I be bitter inside? Hell yes. I, and I'd be, I'd be so nasty about it. Let's turn that eye towards Marcus. Um, Maxime, I'll guess here first. Marcus, Marcus is going to tell us I'd be happy. It's good for the game. He'll have some thought-out answer. You know, like it, it would be hard for me. I'm a competitive person. It'd be hard for me. But really, I'd be happy for him. My name would be involved. It's good for the sport. So when all things played out, I'd say the right things, and I'd be a little disappointed, but I wouldn't be bitter. I'd be happy for Steph or whoever it is who broke the record. What do you think?
4: Yeah, that sounds about right. But I think it'd be very hard to tell if it was actually Marcus saying all of those things on screen because there's so much uh, oh, margarine, margarine rubbed yeah. across the video yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's fair. And in fact, like when TNT came to interview him with it and they started it up, like, would you mind holding on for a second? And he just pour olive oil all over the camera. Okay, now, now let's see where this us.
3: Ah, now I feel more at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have an obscure take for you. So if you don't mind, let me use my filter. Marcus, what's the actual answer?
3: The actual answer is... That I would well, do I have Steph Curry's career at this point or do I have Ray Allen's career?
1: What do you mean? Are you the person breaking the record or the person having your record, broken?
3: Yeah, no, if I if I'm breaking the record, am I breaking is someone breaking the record and I will have had Steph Curry's career, or are they breaking my record and I had Ray Allen's career?
1: Um either one. Let's say you've had Ray Allen's. Put yourself in a Ray Allen's place.
3: Okay. That was not who I was hoping you would say, because I'd have a different answer. Then i um, picked the right one. <laughs> Ray Allen, then I would be a little bitter. Because um, I, hey. I think that Ray Allen established himself as this premier shooter. Like, Steph Curry has more things going for him than just a shooter. Um, Ray Allen, that's kind of what he's known for. Even though back in the day when he was on the Bucks, he was dunking on people, I think you go to youtube and you'd be surprised jesus
1: shuttlesworth hell yeah exactly
3: like he was going to the rack and posterizing people um but i think what he's known for now is a three-point shooter you know like the biggest gift and curse of his career was hitting that three-pointer um from the corner for the heat like i think it pigeonholed him to only being a a shooter um so if i have that career then i say all the right things like you i hire a publicist um probably like you I might even pull the card out and read it live on air just to let you know that this is what I'm need to say but it's probably not what I mean um but inside I'm definitely bitter because that's the one thing that you have to be competitive and you have to be a, have a bit of an ego in order to be that high up in any industry or field and you know like I'm going to be bitter about it
1: here's a fucking newsflash um if you had Steph's career the idea of like oh but I hit all those layups wouldn't make you feel better that your record was broken dude yes it would no it would not you would be just as upset you don't like if I was hell of good at Scrabble I wouldn't be happy that I lost in Monopoly I'd be fucking pissed that I lost at that game too
3: no that's different I am a two-time Monopoly champion and a a collective $200 and go to jail free MVP. Scoring here's, champ, like it doesn't matter. Like, here's, I, here's
1: bad news for you. My monopoly analogy was terrible, and I sucked you into using a terrible analogy. I completely fucked you there. Let's look to Maxime <laughs> because this podcast is already running about eight hours long, so we should probably <laughs> wrap it up. My guess on Maxime, he'll tell us that he was bitter, and he would be bitter. I, uh, I think. I think openly and absolutely. I don't think. I mean, I he'll tell us during this podcast. I don't think he would do it in a public setting. Um, although he might be a little bit more genuine than you or i mt i don't think he would be as effusive with praise you know like we'd go way over the top steph's so great um but that would really be more of a defensive mechanism than anything else i don't think he would do that i think that you could i think he would show that he was disappointed but not bitter
3: yeah yeah I think he would show it too. Um, I think he would pull a, a interesting move and just like keep his mask on the entire interview, so that you really couldn't tell what he said, or you know, like he would be a little muffled and he could just kind of give give you what he wanted to facial expression wise, good, good. but he could show his disdain for it. So I think he he does some kind of slick move that a uh, uh, tree climbing card holder would do
1: and the, the mask has some ambiguous message on it that you're not sure how to read it just says number one on it <laughs> and you're like huh you know like is he saying he's still number one i don't, still
3: number I don't, one. Know, I don't really
1: get it i'm like no but th- that would give you a sense of what it was like is he celebrating stuff is he saying that's is that just him like you
4: wouldn't you wouldn't immediately know Maxime, what's the answer That's a brilliant idea. I feel like Ray Allen should have been taking notes here because what would have happened is I would have walked in, I would have started with some platitudes, and then ultimately I would have tripped over some words and said, no, no, fuck this. I'm going to tell you all how I really feel. I am actually a little bit bitter about it. And wouldn't that have been better television, quite frankly? Like, we all saw it. It was all a little bit uncomfortable. What if Ray Allen came out and just said, like, look, gauntlet is thrown, like, you know, because they were talking about, like, wouldn't it be great if there's a three-point shooting contest and they were, like, looking at each other with Reggie Miller? Like, I don't know it kind of would be, huh? As if they just talked about that, like all of that's bullshit. I want to see realness. Let's go.
3: Yeah. Let's, how about he answers every question starting off with subjectively speaking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about he doesn't show up dressed like the gray Gumby is the reason why he was in all <laughs> graves? Did he come from a fucking funeral? Like what, what was going on? And I'm not a big fan of the turtleneck. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I no one comes to me for fast advice for good reason. Watch the video. You'll see that like I'm not tearing it up with my shirt choices myself. But yeah, it was a distracting thing. Here is my my last quick hit question for you.
3: Let the record re- reflect real quick. Bram is wearing a gray shirt right now. Yeah, so that's exactly right. <laughs> let the
1: record reflect my camera allows you to see that. I have no fucking idea what color Marcus's shirt is. Our our final thing. I ran this by Rusty. I asked what Rusty would do. And in the course of his answer, he actually gave us some amazing insight into Ray Allen because he interviewed Ray Allen and will tell us his opinion on whether or not Ray Allen was bitter. But before we play that, what's your guess, boys? If Rusty was in that position, would
4: he be bitter or celebratory? I feel like Rusty's the kind of guy that would just genuinely be celebratory.
3: You agree, MD? Yeah, I think he'd be celebratory.
1: I know the answer, so I can't cheat. Let's find out. Would you be bitter, Mr. Simmons?
6: I would be exactly the way Ray Allen was.
1: Which is how?
6: He he was so bitter. (laughs) Like all all leading up to the, first of all, for the last year, he hasn't (laughs) wanted to talk to any of us. And then he finally was like, okay, I'll do it, but only as a group interview so I can get this out of the way and not deal with it anymore. But every once in a while, you would get the – he knew what he was supposed to say. He was supposed to say, look, I've known Steph forever. Records are made to be broken, all this. But then he would sneak in, well, it's a subjective thing, who the best shooter is ever. (laughs) Well, if I had played in a different era, if I was allowed to shoot that many, think of the number I would have put up. And that's exactly the way I think all of us think. Like, if you're going to be great, you have to think you're great. Ray Allen doesn't want his records to be broken. He wants a chance to come back right now and shoot 10 a game.
1: Here's a news flash for Mr. Allen. If he was shooting as well as Steph Curry, if his talents equaled uh, Steph's, then he would have shot that many fucking three pointers. The game would have changed based on his talents. They didn't. You know, there's a reason why Steph has slowly gone up. It's because of that impact we were talking right before. So, how would you handle it? Would you? I feel like you would be a little bit more savvy than Ray. Because uh, I, I think that in, in most interviews, you wouldn't actually say, you'd say only golden things. He, oh, yeah. he is the best shooter. There's no problem. There'd be nothing subjective about it. You talk about the records and everything. But internally, when you're grabbing a drink or oh, you know, yeah. your darkest thoughts, you'd kind of hate Steph Curry. Like you wouldn't be able to accept it.
6: Oh no. And it's hard. Like if it's Steph Curry breaking your record versus anybody else in the world, it's hard to hate him. Right. <laughs> and, and Ray Allen did it right. He was magnanimous. He was like, yes. And he came out and took the photos with the jerseys, and went over overboard and did all that stuff. He, he's coaching a team, a high school team in Miami right now. So that was actually like difficult for him to find time to go and do that. But, but he did it. He did the right thing. And um, that's what the players of the past should do. They should take care of that. But there's a 100% chance that secretly or not, he hates the fact that somebody broke his record.
1: Is it weird that when they showed Ray, I kept being distracted, that he looked like a gray Gumby? He had like all gray, head to toe, including a gray turtleneck. It's like the interesting decision, like he knew for sure they're going to show you a lot of times. I don't know, work in one other color. I mean, I, I'm not Mr. Fashion here, but I, I, I at least want to throw that now.
6: That was him just saying the ghost is here. Set the record. <laughs> set the record however high you want to, Steph. I'm gonna come back and start standing in the corner and shooting 10 threes a game.
1: Everyone should just look right by me now. I mean <laughs> right. nothing. You know, right. subjectively, you can't even see me anymore. That's it true. is what it is.
6: Right. And how different Ray Ray and Reggie have dealt with this, right? Like Reggie zoomed into a conference call last year with his son to talk to Steph and to say how great it was that he had passed him. Ray wanted no part of any of this.
1: And if you were going to guess on those two, you know, I mean, I would have, I would have said Reggie's the exact been opposite the black hat yep. forever, yep. you know, yep. and like, and you'd almost expect I, I, what I would suspect from Reggie is that he would be open either way. If Reggie was bitter, I feel like right. he'd tell us. He'd know, tell, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and everything he's saying now seems so genuine. It makes me really like him that that yeah. he's willing to come out and, and say it. Although to Reggie's um, credit, cause I don't remember what he did with Ray He's already seen his record go. So, you know, going from second to third sucks, but it doesn't suck as bad as dropping from that top platform, you know, to number two. So maybe he had all that bitterness shit, but but it's gotten rid of it at this stage. That's right. All right, boys. Uh, Huge fun. Remember, if you want to reach out to us, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Get us a question for the five golden. Shoot that to our email account, which is at Maxime. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Boom. You want to follow us on social media? There's only one option. It's our Twitter account. That one's at warriorshuddle or at warriorshuddle, I should say. With that in mind, go warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week.